theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. studying this week and preparing earlier today, I, I just want to let you know I feel like the prophetic is in the atmosphere. And I, I want you to be encouraged because where the prophetic is, the miraculous is. Praise God. I believe that in Jesus' name. And I'm so delighted that you all are here with me. My name is Akil Thompson. I'm the pastor here at Extraordinary Church. Jordan said it earlier, but we believe it. It's deep in our DNA. We believe we are the perfect church for imperfect people. You are safe here. You don't have to fake anybody out. You don't have to impress anybody. All you have to do is pursue Jesus Christ and let him love on you. And God's going to do an amazing work. We also, I haven't said it in a few weeks, but it's not because I don't believe it nor declare it every day. I believe we're the fastest growing church in Canada reaching the world. Our purpose is to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. And we are so glad that each of you all are part of this journey. Would you do me a favor and give Chris Pio, who's on the base, an extraordinary church welcome. So glad to have him with us this afternoon. A little shorter than Alex. Just a little shorter than Alex. Just a little bit. But what a blessing. Uh, he came all the way. Look, he just, he's a good friend to EC, and we appreciate him coming in and uh, filling in for us. And so we're delighted to have him with us. We honor his family and uh, bless them for releasing him to come and be with us this weekend. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, a passage that no doubt many of you all will be very familiar with. Open up your, your Bible app or your tablet, whatever you've got, and let's get that ready. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Matthew 14, 15 through 21, a passage that you're really familiar with. Go ahead and lift that Bible up there real quick. Last, well, not the last declaration. I've got one more in my sermon, praise God. <laughs> but one more faith-filled declaration or your Bible app. There you go, Marcus. Praise God. Do you got the Bible open? That's what I want to know. The <laughs> I'm just praise God. <laughs> open that Bible up. Praise God. <laughs> I'm just praise God. There we go. I see that thing now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just having. <laughs> this is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. Let's look at it. Matthew 14, 15 through 21. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. You ever felt like you've been there before in that deserted place? All right. 
Send the multitude away. Send the multitudes, excuse me, away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Let's look at Proverbs. Let's go to the Old Testament. Let's look at Proverbs 11, 24. I'm going to read through the 26th verse. These wisdom writings here. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Y'all should just be like this. That's some good stuff. That's some good stuff. Listen to this. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. And I want to continue uh, really what the Lord has laid on my heart in this series of uh, generous life. I'm going to preach to you today, activate your generosity. Activate your generosity. Would you help me pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that right now in this place there will be an activation of faith, oh Lord. God, an activation of generosity. Anoint me with the anointing to preach and to teach your word with relevancy and with accuracy, God. Open our hearts that we might receive it. Do what you want to do. Confirm your word with signs and wonders. The glory and the honor belongs to you in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are in the second week of this three-week series, A Generous Life, where we're looking at the life-changing power of being generous. I want you to know that being generous can make an impact upon your life. And all we have to do is activate that generosity. You know what? Uh, I'll never forget. I've told you all this story before at some point. I'll remember uh, a preacher was conveying that he had taken some folks out to eat and here they were, they were eating and having a good time, and he wanted to bless them and pay for everybody's meal. And so at the conclusion of having a delicious meal, the server comes to him, and he's like, I'll take the check. And everybody's like, oh, man, that's such a blessing. And he was grateful to be a blessing and gave his credit card to pay for the bill. And the server came back, and she said, excuse me, sir. Uh, you know, she was discreet, but she said, uh, your credit card was declined. Of course, as you can imagine, he was somewhat embarrassed and surprised. He said, well, well, like any of us would do if you believed everything to be working well, you would say, go try it again. You know, go try it again. I think there must be something wrong. And so she goes and tries it again, and she says, I'm sorry, but I tried it again, and it wasn't working. And as you can imagine, the embarrassment is mounting. And now people are wondering, well, you said you're going to pay for our meal. 
Do I need to pay for my meal? Praise God. And he's like, no, 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 no. Took out another credit card and tried this card. And she tried it and it worked. Of course, he was embarrassed. And so he picks up once dinner's done and he has a few moments. He calls the credit card company. And he's like, I was with guests and I told him I was going to pay for their meal, and I did, but I wanted to use this credit card. And he's just giving the customer service rep the absolute business. Won't let her get or she get a word in. And finally, they just said, sir, sir, you're right. You have the available credit. There is nothing wrong with the account except you didn't call to activate your card. Can I tell you, we have to activate generosity. I believe once we activate our generosity, and let me be clear, you know, I'm not just talking about financially. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about the seven different ways that we can be generous. If you recall, we said we can be generous with our thoughts, generous with our words, generous with our money and influence, generous with our time, attention, and generous with our belongings. But generous and generosity has to do with far more than money. Generosity is talking about the totality of who we are, our entire existence, and saying, God, all of who I am and everything that I'm connected to belongs to you, and I want to bless those that are around me. It really goes back to what the Lord told Abraham. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. EC fam, we have been blessed to be a blessing. All right, praise God. Some of y'all got to activate that. Thank you. You have been blessed to be a blessing. So two weeks ago, if you remember, there was one key word we tried to drive home, and that word was awareness. If we will just become aware, and we talked about, uh, some of y'all right remember because we talked about a foreign object that many of our Gen Zers have never seen before. We were talking about an antenna. And they had no clue what an antenna, uh, you know, but for those who know what I'm talking about back in the day when, like, there were only four stations on television. Now, you know, back, I'm not promoting or saying that you should or shouldn't watch TV, but I remember watching TV and having to watch commercials. Like, you had to watch the commercials. You would think... That amen was from a 17-year-old. He don't know nothing about a commercial. He don't watch everything on demand his entire life. Skip it. DVR, skip it. He don't know nothing about a commercial. Praise God. Don't know nothing about having to wait next week for the episode to come out. All he knows is watching 12 hours straight of TV, three seasons in a row. And he over here talking about some amen. We talked about awareness and how, and then having our antennas up would help our awareness and being connected to being able to bless others on this generous life. We also talked about making sure Jesus is first. Jesus is first. And if Jesus is first, he gets our first. The first of everything that we get belongs to him. Amen? And today the key word is activate. I want us to activate our generosity. And if we're going to live a life, it's not, if we desire to live a life that's generous, it's not enough just to have that desire. We have to activate it. 
Just like if we want to become healthy, we have to activate certain actions. It's not enough just to look in the mirror and desire to lose weight or to be active. No, you have to activate those steps in order to lose that weight. In other words, we have to move from desire to action. Okay? And what I'm trying to get us to understand is the same is true with generosity. If we want to become more generous people or like a generous person, then we have to do generous things and we will have to do them on purpose. If we want to become generous people, then we have to do generous things and we have to do it with intentionality. Can the church say amen? So here's my question. What are you doing to be generous? What are you going to do today that's going to bless somebody else? Real quiet. Y'all like, mm. Mm. some of y'all ain't even thought about somebody else. But here's the reality. When he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing, that blessing was on his life 365 days a year. That blessing was on his life so much so that when his party, his family, what he was connected to was being blessed and growing because blessed things grow. Blessed things are growing and increasing. His capacity is being stretched. Lot was under his covering and Lot was being, Lot was being blessed. And everything that was connected to Lot was blessed. Can I tell you, the blessing flows down. And so they had both become, their camps had become so enlarged that there was a little bit of infighting. Even blessed people fight. Y'all not, y'all not going to help me today. I'm just going, even blessed people can act up. <laughs> but you know what? Abraham had enough sense. Watch what the person who received the blessing from the Lord is. Watch what he does. He says, you know what? It's not good that we fight. He said, so why don't you do this, Lot? Wherever you want to go, you go. Isn't that interesting? He was like, wherever you want to go. Why did Abraham feel that way? Because God Almighty had already proclaimed the blessing on his life. So it made no difference what Lot decided he wanted. He knew that God had already given it to him. You got to realize you're blessed to be a blessing. And if God has given you the blessing, Canada, CRA, the politicians, they can do whatever they want to do, but the blessing of God is already on your life. You and I are children of Abraham. What's his is ours. We are blessed to be a blessing. Somebody give him praise. So my question is, what are you going to do to be a blessing to somebody today? I'm thankful for the 53 people who said, you know what? I'm going to rearrange my schedule. I'm going to sacrifice and we're going to bless others. That was great. But can I tell you, we need to get to a place. I'm preaching to myself. Extraordinary kindness, 365 days a year. Where we're blessing and loving and serving and encouraging. Not just with our finances, but with our time and our words and affirmation and prayer. Building people up. Praise God. You all probably have heard this. It's called the, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. You might not know it as that, but you might know it as the frequency illusion. Once we move from a generous 
posture, uh, desiring to be generous, to actually being generous, something amazing happens. You'll start to see opportunities everywhere. Now, here's how, this is the phenomenon that I'm talking about, the frequency illusion phenomenon. You ever bought a car? And the moment you bought the car, you never saw the car on the road by anybody else. But the moment you bought the car, it seemed like everybody and their mama went out and bought the same car. You're like, what in the world is happening? Everybody didn't go and buy the same car you have. Your brain is adjusting to the things that you notice and that are important to you. All of those cars were on the road before. You just didn't notice them until you took the step of purchasing the car because that was important to you. Can I tell you the same thing is true with generosity. Once we start living generously, our brains will start searching for opportunities. How cool is that? When we pray, God, help us activate our generosity, our brain, he has wired us so that we'll be looking for opportunities. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Generous people do generous things. It's that simple. Why is it then that so many of us who desire to be generous, so a few of us actually live out generosity? Well, I'm going to show you right here in Scripture. Maybe a take on the, an infamous passage that perhaps you've not considered. Look at this. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And I, what I want to do is I want to set the scene and give you some context for what's happening in the story. Jesus is surrounded by thousands of people. Thousands of people, not like just 5,000. Conservative estimates anywhere from 15 to 25,000 people. And the disciples are concerned that if people aren't sent home, sent away to get dinner, they'll be forced to travel at night. Now, traveling at night in the ancient world was very, very dangerous. So when the disciples come to Jesus, they're not complaining and, and they're not being petty. It's quite the opposite. They have a legitimate need impacting a large amount of people. Now, we should expect Jesus at this point to say something. At least I would. But, and you're, you're right. He, but I want you to catch what he says. They say, the disciples are like, let's send them home. Let's get them what they need. Okay? And, and maybe they thought Jesus might do some sort of miracle to get everybody home safely. But the disciples did what most of us would do. We saw a need. They saw a need. They took it to Jesus. As a matter of fact, that's what we're supposed to do. Pastor Barry, when we have a need, we're supposed to take it to the Lord. Can somebody say amen? This is why his response is somewhat confusing. Because they take a legitimate need and say, oh, Jesus, we need you to, we got a problem. These people got to eat. And listen to what he says. You give them something to eat. <laughs> Jesus responds by telling them to solve it. He doesn't perform a miracle. He doesn't give them a solution. 
doesn't do a miracle. He gives them a solution. And the solution is this. You do it. Instead, he puts the responsibility back on the disciples. And here's how the disciples responded. Oh. Oh, well, we got, hold on. Peter, what you, Andrew, you got, um, okay, so, Lord, there's 20,000 people here. We got uh, one, two, three, four, five, five loaves and, and two fish. See, when Jesus puts the responsibility back on the disciples, their first response is to make sure that Jesus is fully aware of their limitations. In other words, y'all like, well, what are you really saying? Here's our response. We don't have enough. You ever felt that way? You see a problem in the world, you see a problem in your neighborhood, you identify an opportunity to be generous, and what's the first thought that comes to your mind? I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough influence. We identify opportunities to be generous, and then we allow our limitations to keep us from action. This is the question that I asked earlier. Why does our desire to be generous not translate to actual generosity. I believe is the reason, this is the reason we allow our limitations to stop us. As a matter of fact, the church, if we're not careful, we have a poverty-stricken mentality. I'm going to address this in a moment. I know you think I'm talking about money, but I'm about to set somebody free right now because you're going to understand that the things that the world has tried to drill into you are an absolute lie because in Jesus Christ, you can lack no thing. That poverty-stricken mentality, we're going to deal with that in just a moment. But I want to show you something. Look at verse 15. When it was the evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. I want you to understand money is involved in the work of God. The Bible says money answers all things. The disciples said, send them away that they might buy food. I'm going to show you another example, okay? Look at Matthew 17, 27. I want you to understand money is involved in the work of God. Look at this. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook. Take the fish that comes up first, and when you've opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. (laughs) What happens in both these instances, Jesus has given seed to the sower. Watch, watch. The amount of food that the disciples had was seed. (laughs) Thank you, Stephen. Praise God. The same with the coin in the fish's mouth. Watch, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Okay, seed, seed, seed. No one here eats seed. I mean, you might eat sunflower seed, but y'all know how much I love apple pie. For my birthday, some of y'all brought me some 
apple pie, praise God. I'm thankful for that. And I was in heaven like for 36 hours because it was all gone. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I just, praise God, okay. all right, she claimed she ain't had nothing to do with that. So uh, we love apple pie, but how many of us here have ever had apple seed pie? There's nobody that eats an apple seed pie. Everybody here wants an apple pie. Well, everybody that's like me. And I'm not going to be satisfied with an apple seed pie. But there are a lot of people in the house of the Lord that will eat the seed. Mm. The disciples were getting ready to eat the seed. Oh my God, I need y'all to help me today. I'm I want to show you something. See, when I was growing up, it took forever because nobody had what I believe to be a biblically right-sized understanding of giving. And it was typically presented to me out of guilt, and it's not biblically accurate. But can I just tell you, God doesn't need your heart. He wants your heart. God doesn't need your money. He has something for you that will absolutely blow your mind. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. So if God gives us a seed, we need to do the right thing with the seed. Don't eat the seed. How do you know if it's a blessing or a seed? If it meets the need, it's a blessing. If it doesn't meet the need, it's a seed. <laughs> How many of you still have financial miracles that you want to see God do in your life? I'm going to raise both my hands. Can I tell you what the answer is? You better stay a sower and keep sowing seed. Sow seed generously. Sow seed intentionally. Sow seed. And so Jesus, he doesn't let his disciples off the hook here. He says to them, you know what? Check this out. You're right. There's a ton of people. We don't have enough food. Instead, he says, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You ready? Bring it here to me. Bring it here to me. Don't miss this. Jesus tells the disciples to bring what they have and give it to him. They have five loaves of bread, two fish. There's a, a crowd of 20,000 people. And the disciples are not inaccurate in their assessment of the situation, okay? They do not have enough food for 20,000 people. But here's where they make a mistake. The mistake that disciples make, and this is the mistake that we make, we often look at our limitations as opposed to looking at him. They're so focused on what they don't have, they fail to see who they do have, and who they do have owns the cattle of a... Who they do have has all power in heaven and in earth given unto him. Don't look at your situation. Don't look at your insufficiency. Don't look at your bank account. Look at the word of God. Let your eyes be fixed on the one who is your alpha and omega, the one who is able to make a way. So listen, he, he looks. Finally, when they bring it to him in obedience, and probably with some reluctance, but in that reluctance, it's amazing what obedience can do. 
I need to stay there for a minute. I feel it's amazing. Obedience will pull you through uncertainty. Obedience will help you navigate through, God, is this you? Listen, can I tell you, obedience will help you understand that, you know what? I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I know it's you. And because it's you, I'm going to obey. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to allow the circumstances to silence your voice. I'm going to obey. Somebody say obedience. So they obey and they, he says, bring them here to me. And then watch what he does. It's amazing when you bring something to God, then all you have to do is, watch this, watch this. You think I'm making this up? Look at verse 19. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and two fish. See, when you give it to God, you get an opportunity to watch God work. Oh, Jesus. He blessed and broke and gave their loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. <laughs> Watch this. This blessed me over and over. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is amazing. Something miraculous happens here. Jesus does what the disciples could never do on their own. But he doesn't do it until the disciples take a step of action. One of the craziest things I've ever read in Scripture. God is getting ready to supernaturally provide for the disciples and thousands of people there. Because when God gets ready to bless you, don't miss this. He always blesses you in such a way that you're able to bless someone else. God will connect your miracle to somebody else's miracle to keep you from being stingy. If possible, Jesus has amazing things he wants to do in this region. It's possible that Jesus wants to take our effort and multiply it in ways far ever than we could ever imagine. It's possible that Jesus wants to do all these things, but he's waiting on us to take the first step. See, what you got to understand is when God's blessing comes on upon a people, it's not just about one or two catching it. I declare in the name of Jesus to you when God's blessing hits a house, it's about everybody in the house walking in the provision of God. I believe that with all of my heart. It's for everybody who walks in obedience. I love, watch this, this quote, St. Augustine. I, I quote, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. God is waiting on people here to move from a desire to be generous to actually being generous. See, I mentioned this a little bit on Wednesday. You know what? Just because I love Jesus doesn't mean I follow him. I can, I can love Jesus and not be a disciple of Jesus. I can love Jesus and not be a follower of Jesus. But because if my love is great enough, then I have obedience and discipline because being a disciple of Jesus cost. I know I wouldn't get an amen on that, but that's just the truth. And so here's what I want you to understand is when we walk in obedience, what we have, here's a formula for you. What we have plus who God is, is enough. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out for who this is for, but there's some people I... I, it just, it irks me every time I think about it, but I've moved on. I'm not worried about it. There's some people who said we can't grow and build a church here in central Mississauga. 
You know what? I don't know where those folks are. I don't really pay the people no mind. You know what? I'm telling you, I understand Mississauga is the second most expensive city in North America. And we, if you don't know, are not in the most affluent of those areas. We pick up drug needles every Sunday. We wipe away human feces every Sunday. But I believe this place is a hotbed for apostolic revival. I believe in the name of Jesus. Every need is being supplied. I know it's a great contradiction. We might be in the second most expensive city in North America. That doesn't intimidate me. What that tells me is God has already laid the groundwork for us to have access to the resources that we need to be the fastest growing church in Canada to reach the world. Everything that we need is here. God is bringing us to the forefront. If you understand what he's doing in the spirit, you ought to give him praise. I'm telling you, we lack no good thing. You're wondering how you're here, why you're here. You're here by the grace of God. You don't have to look beyond Mississauga. Our God will make away. I believe God has aligned us and positioned us to have access to every resource necessary. I don't declare any lack. I don't embrace lack. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Here's what we got to do. We got to go after people. Love everybody, no matter where they come from. Love everybody, no matter where they come from. I'm going to say it one more time because I'm getting like pockets of amens. Love everybody, no matter where they come from. No matter how they smell. No matter how they look. No matter what they've done last night, y'all not going to help me. No matter what you, how you think you can right-size them or what you think they will and won't do in the kingdom of God, we have one responsibility, and that's to love people. If we will just love people, reach people, God will honor our spirit of evangelism and meet the needs of extraordinary church. It's really that simple. If we have faith, to look past our limitations and bring what we have to God. He will use our generosity to change the lives of people. And it doesn't just change the lives of people. This type of faithful generosity changes us as well. Not only does it bring us closer to the heart of God, it even helps us physically. Do you know according to Stony Brook University, the School of Medicine in New York, generosity lowers our blood pressure. Lowers our risk. Are you ready for this? Lowers our risk. Dementia. Some of y'all like, Lord, I need to give right now. <laughs> y'all open that thing up right now. Look, we, Alex told me, said, Pastor, you forgot to tell him we accept Apple Pay. Y'all like, <laughs> y'all like, let me pull this thing up right now. Praise God. Lessons are anxiety and depression. Reduces, are you ready, our cardiovascular risk. Scientific study. And increases our overall happiness. These physical changes do not take place in the person that desires to just 
be generous. It takes place in the person who is generous and also affects the recipient of that generosity. The bottom line is this, activating our generosity makes everything better. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. But what the disciples didn't know is that when they decided to bring what they had to Jesus, they were getting ready to go from consumers to contributors. Okay. <laughs> that blessed me when I saw that this way this morning. I said, what? Hold up. That's the crazy thing about the Word of God. I'm going to say it one more time. When they decided, you know what? I'm going to look past our limitations. I'm going to look past what I have and don't have. I'm going to bring it to God. They go from being consumers to contributors. I'm going to show you another passage that I, that I read to you earlier. Look at this. Nevertheless, Matthew 17, 27, lest we offend them, go to the sea. This is what Jesus is telling Peter. Cast in a hook, take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Okay? Peter goes fishing with the hook. And what the fish didn't know is that God was getting ready to take that fish from being a consumer to a contributor. God was getting ready to do this. Now watch. Can you imagine being that fish in the sea of Galilee? Swimming through. You can see it. I knew you could see it, everybody. I, I knew you'd be able to see it. Swimming through the Sea of Galilee and a coin one day falls out of somebody's boat. And you know, fish respond to shiny things and as it's tumbling through the water, bloop, 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 the fish is just doing what fish do and, and snatches this coin, okay? And this is what some of us do if we're not careful because he, the fish sees this glistening coin and we see a shiny thing and he goes and catches the coin and he immediately becomes a consumer. The moment the disciples bring up, hey, this is all we have, but what is this among so many? Immediately they're saying we're consumers and not contributors. And that's where a lot of people are in the church. They're consuming the flashy, fine things. But God is about to turn you from a contributor, uh, from a consumer to a contributor. I'm telling you right now, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I declare this over every person in this building. You're not going to have to run around your whole life depending upon a handout, depending upon somebody else to bless you and meet the need. I need you to understand that God is able. Imagine being the fish with a coin in your mouth. Can't eat anything else. Watch this. God put the coin in the fish. God put the coin in the fish and then sent a disciple or an apostle to go open up the fish's mouth and pull it out of him. See, what God is trying to get, I thought about this today. I felt like the Lord told me why he has sent many of you here. I'm not saying I'm anybody, but I've told my wife this from the beginning. I've always known I've been a grower. The reason why some of you all, I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now, while the Lord has brought you here, the reason why some of you will drive as far as you will drive to get here is because the Lord sent an apostolic anointing who will catch people that have greatness on the inside of them and pull it out of them. 
There are some of you that have things on the inside of you that you don't even know you're capable of or possible of, and God sent you to this house so that anointing could open up those things and God could reach out or reach down in and pull the extraordinary things that are on the inside of you. I'm telling you, we've got world changers in this place. We've got authors in this place. We've got pastors in this place. We've got missionaries in this place. We have financiers in this place. We've got educators in this place. We have people that are allergic to ordinary because you're going to turn your world upside down. And God brought you here because ordinary will not do. There is something extraordinary in your life. If you believe that, give him praise. I want you to make this declaration with me. Put it on the screen because I want you to say it till you believe it. There is something down inside of me and it's getting ready to be revealed. Some of you need to say it with some conviction. Some of you need to say it like I'm not worried about who hears me on the podcast. I'm not worried about who's next to me. I know there's some treasure in this earthen vessel that God wants to do something great in my life. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost. God's transforming us from consumers to contributors. Only thing is you got to have somebody anointed to reach down and pull certain things out of your life. I feel the Holy Ghost. God, have mercy. You're wondering why you're here. It's not just because we have vision. Everybody has vision. We want to plant 36 campuses. But there's people in here that will pastor one of those campuses. Yeah, yeah. You know what? God's going to use pull that out of you. I was thinking about it today. I felt like the Lord just made it click so clearly for me. You know why? I'll never forget it. I remember the day. This is important because, Patricia, you were on my mind. I thought to myself, what is it? What is it? What is it? And I was like, oh, you know what? She's content with Jesus. It reminded me that, you know what, my wife is just that same way. My wife ain't got to have one red dime. Y'all think I'm playing. Or penny. Dimes ain't red. Praise God. Definitely saying. <laughs> She's like, like, a red dime? I think Deborah Lee gets you on a technicality real quick. I think she'd be on that thing. I think Deborah. But I thought to myself, I remember one day. I was looking because you had come to the altar, and I was looking feverishly for my wife. I was like, where is she? Where is she? I wanted you to pray with Patricia. And then I realized the Lord told me today, I'm real dense. The Lord told me, you know what? It's because you are able, you have an anointing to pull something out of her. Praise God. I believe that in Jesus' name. I believe that in Jesus' name. There's anointing in this place. And you know what? There's an anointing to call out more of what you think. God wants to use you in greater ways than you could ever imagine. But this poverty-stricken mentality has reduced you. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Because you know what? You're never made less by your service. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Chandra and Ashley because they'll come. And you know what? They're helping us and others will come. And I came in today. My girl, here, here's what's beautiful. Here's what's beautiful. Because Ashley, you're anointed to serve. You got, ooh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost too. 
praise God. You got to be careful because, see, when people are anointed, let me just walk in the prophetic here for a moment. When people are anointed, you know what? There'll be other people that will follow around you and behind you. Just because they're following you don't mean they want to bless you. They just recognize there's something different about you. This woman did the same thing to the disciples. She just went around annoying them the whole time. Oh, this is a man of God who's able to listen. Can I tell you, but there's an anointing on your life. My God, I feel this in the Holy Ghost to serve. And you need to know that you're never made less by your service, but greater by your service. And I came in here at 1 o'clock today. You know what I saw? I saw his wife with a broom sweeping this floor and sweeping with purpose. And I looked, and her daughter was right beside her smiling. I like people who will serve with joy. That's why you're anointed to serve, when you do it with joy. When it's a blessing. I was glad when they said unto me, give me a broom, and I'll clean this place up. Give me a plunger, I'll plunge. Give me some rags, I'll wipe the seats. I was glad. Joy, joy, joy. But it's bigger than that, Pastor B. You know what he's doing? He's developing systems and processes that every campus that we launch will be able to utilize. And I'm telling you right now, it's bigger than where it has. You just need to know that God wants you to say yes, and you need to give him your yes because there is more on the inside of you that God wants to pull out. You got to be willing. You got to be willing. I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't see her. I don't. Where is Isabella? Is she in this place? She's outside. Whew. Praise God. I want us to lift our hands of worship. I'm going to decide if I need to get her here in a moment. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost. He's just revealing people to me right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just begin to worship him for just a moment. You might be wondering, what's happening right now? We're just activating generosity. In the name of Jesus. Woo. Yeah, let's go get her. Let's go get her. Jason, go get Bella for me. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. Come on up here, Bella. I feel the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Kira, I want you to come too, babe. I got a word for you. Praise God. I want you to come. Thank you, Jesus. Sarah, come on up here. Praise God. I want us to stand. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Jason, I want you to come on up here and hop on these keys. Praise God. Not in Swaste. Praise God. Not that you couldn't come up here. I just didn't want you to panic, Jason. Praise God. Jason's probably like, what? What? Yeah, yeah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like the Lord has given me a word, too, for Mia. That's why I don't want her on the keys. And I told my wife I'm going to play it by ear because I feel like the Lord had given me something. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Bella, I want you to come right here in the name of Jesus. Kira, come right up here, baby. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Sarah, I want you to come help me pray. Praise God. Come right here. Come right Come, 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 come. Praise God. What's fixing to happen right now, I want the two of you to understand, this poverty-stricken mentality will bankrupt you if you will allow it. But from this day forward, you're never going to declare lack anymore. 
I believe what God has on the, side, in the inside of the two of you will wreck, will wreck the kingdom's darkness. This is not, not ordinary gifting, but God has purposed something great for the two of you, far beyond what you could ever imagine. But you are allowing the limitations, a poverty-stricken mentality to settle down, and you have convinced yourself that it is not you, but that is a liar, that that is a lie. God is fixing, I'm telling you, the lid is fixing to be lifted in the name of Jesus. I believe it. There are songs you're going to write. There are songs you're going to sing that are going to shape culture in the name of Jesus. I believe that. I don't know what it is, but I feel like the Lord is going to give you a platform that is going to be large, larger than what you imagine. And he is going to give you a voice to speak into the lives of people that is going to stir them to do great things for his glory. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Pastor Barry, I want you to come help me pray. Stacy, I see you believe it. I want you to come and help me pray. I want you both to lift your hands in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now, I'm commanding that poverty-stricken mentality to come up off of them. They will walk. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.